back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts, like us, examine the 1955 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller, North by Northwest, one minute of screen time per episode. I am Curtis Blaze, and sneaking out of the room just before I get there is my esteemed colleague, Jason Hubble. How about a little champagne before we go? I'd love it! And we are the hosts. We're also the hosts of the Better Off Dead Minute. Join us now, won't you, as we unpack Minute 124 of the Hitchcock film North by Northwest, already in progress. It's crazy how this whole thing is set. These mountains back here, all this stuff, they just have a giant curtain around all of this stuff with all of this stuff on it so that they can light it that way. And it can just be what it is, if I remember that article right. <laughs> yeah. They did the same thing in uh, in the last movie we did for uh, Jim's projects, uh, Die Hard, where yeah. they just had a, a giant painting of the outside outside, you know. Yeah, like a wraparound mat or something. And it's crazy how many movies do that. You know, I always think green screen or whatever. Yeah. It seems so much less prickly to just pay a guy to paint something good behind the scene and have it on camera and light it right, rather than to pay someone post to sit there for hours green screening a thing in. Yeah. And what gets me about matte paintings is they didn't keep them. All the work that goes into them, you know, painstaking detail and all that, when they were done with the film, when they wrapped, once they were done, they would just scrape the paint off and use it again. Use the piece of glass again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know what you're talking about. I'm talking about a giant, like, tarp that's painted. Oh. The matting... The matting, though, I mean, we can talk about it on this one, too. Probably we're stealing someone else's thunder. I've been tempted to try it out photographically myself, where you just have someone in a hole, and then the background is painted on, you know, and you're shooting through the piece of glass. Yeah. And you just light it right so it looks right. Mm -hmm. I've been tempted to try that myself. That's just the neatest effect. And And it fooled me forever. Yeah. Before I actually knew that there were special effects, particularly like this movie. Like... Movies from the old days where I just assumed there were no special effects whatsoever. I would see things like him running up to this house, like Roger running up to the to the villain's lair here, and I just assumed it was a house because what would they do? Have a special effect? Yeah. Right? And of it turns course out, it's a house. <laughs> it turns out, yeah, they did. They did have a special effect. It's not just that I was willing to suspend my disbelief. It's just that I didn't know better. Yeah. And not knowing better sold it. Even now... That I know it's a matte painting. You know, that they're shooting through a piece of glass. And they've just got a clear part where he's doing his little motion up the driveway. It still totally looks real to me. I don't know if that's... I don't know why that is. I don't know why I can pick up green screen in a half a second. I can see I can see good green screening. Because there's... Uh, usually there's a line, you know. Yeah. A matte line around where you can see. Well, not, not in modern movies. Like, you know, like in... Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Okay, so, you know that scene where they're, like, on their yacht? Yeah. They didn't go out in the ocean and film that. They had a big green screen studio, and they were on their yacht, and they were just filming them on deck, you know, screwing around or whatever. Yeah. And the special effect was that they were at sea instead <laughs> of in a studio. <laughs> but something about the lighting, you know, it's never quite good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it can pick it out. Almost like almost like matte paintings somehow have, like, the texture of the paint or something makes it more... Does that sound weird to you? No, no, it's... Versus versus the green screen, which somehow my mind just detects as being plastic. Yeah. It looks fake. I don't know. Maybe that's crazy talk. And maybe that's one out of 100,000 people that, that are irritated by that. <laughs> but no, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, the, the matte paintings seem to have 
great texture to them. You know what I think it is? I think what would happen these days if they were just to, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry to whoever's minute we're picking out here, if he was walking up to the house and they had the matte painting in the driveway, I think these days if they did that, he'd be walking up to the house on a piece of green, he'd be on a green hill in front of a green backdrop <laughs> and everything would be green screened in. Yeah. And I think with this, what happens is he's walking up a real driveway so that that thing that he's interacting with, that, that, that gravel driveway that he's on, makes me believe that it's real. Yeah. And then the rest of it becomes real because what he's in is so real. Yeah. You know, versus even if they did a great job of him walking up the little green platform hill while they were filming it, I think it would still read as fake. Yeah. Huh. The second minute 14 is like, wait, they're having champagne? What? <laughs> champagne, really? So what happens in this minute is uh, Roger sneaks into Eve's room, and she has already left and went downstairs. And he runs across the room into the hall so that he's now overlooking the party. And he comes up with a plan for communicating with Eve, who's downstairs. And his plan is to write a note on the back of one of his own matchbooks. Rot. Yeah, <laughs> the rot book. <laughs> and we don't know what he's going to do with it, but we do. He's going to throw it. He's going to try and toss it down to her, which is kind of a fun little a fun little scene, but that's the next minute. So that's what happens in this minute. So at second 14, he kind of does this thing where he, he goes all the way outside, and then he comes back in like he's, Whoa. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that what is meant by that. It's like he was hoping that it would just be her over the rocks. Foreshadowing? <laughs> He asked her, she wants champagne on the rocks? Yeah. What kind of animal is she? <laughs> what, was she raised in a barn? <laughs> a barn full of champagne and ice. Champagne is not exactly, not exactly toilet water, but why would you ruin it with water, with ice? <laughs> I wonder if that was a thing back in the 50s. Did people have champagne on ice? Mm. You know, as I say that term, that's a line from that Eagle song. Yeah, pink champagne on ice. Pink champagne on ice. That must just have been a thing back then. Oh, my I've, God. I've never seen it before. Boy, am I, boy, am I living in the right time. <laughs> I was not meant for back then, for sure. <laughs> I just wasn't made for these times. I just wasn't made for the 50s and the 60s with their <laughs> drinking wine with ice in it. What the hell? <laughs> so he pulls back from the door. For, for some reason, he just threw himself out in the hall. Like, he had to know. But whatever. That's fine. He's trying to catch her before she goes downstairs. I, I can buy that. He's trying to catch her before she, he goes downstairs. Then he gets all the way out there and he's like, well, that didn't work. i got to get back in quick before he yeah. gets discovered. Where did he ding up his hand? I think probably climbing. Just climbing? Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't see that. We we're just supposed to infer that. Yeah. I kind of like, you know, I miss the days. I miss the days where movie makers did that. Because if this were like a Marvel movie, we would have, he would have been climbing it and there would have been a scene where he goes, ah! And then we go to a close-up of him looking at his bloody hand, and then he'd suck on his bloody hand. Yeah. You know? And he'd be dang dangling by one hand. He'd be dangling, he'd be like, ah, dangling by one hand, his hand's all cut up, and then he'd have to, like, heroically grab the ledge again and get his feet back in and then finish climbing in, and then we'd see him, you know, and then, you know, his hand would be bloody and he'd get blood on something as he's climbing in, and there'd be a close-up, you know, there'd be a shot of him putting his hand on something and then pulling it away, and blood would still be there, yeah. and then we'd come back to him, and they'd make a big deal about it. I like we just see, oh, his hand's bloody. He discovers it at the same time we do, because that's how you would do it in real life. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, shit. Where he would just go, oh, you know, oh, I've cut my hand. Yeah. And then you see it, and as a viewer, you go like, oh, I've done that before, where I dinged up my hand and got it all bloody and, and didn't realize until five minutes later. Yeah. That's a real thing that happens to real people 
in real life. I don't know if anyone else in any other minute has talked about this, but this guy is just impeccable all the way through. He doesn't lose a button. <laughs> he barely gets a stain, except when they go to lengths to point out that he's stained. Yeah. And he has to have a whole airplane of, what do you call that stuff? Fertilizer. Oh, oh. Oh, um, no, I guess uh, that, dust. that was... Crop dust. Crop dust. But that stuff is, is um, it's not fertilizer. Excuse me. It's, it's um... Pesticide. Pesticide. He has to have a whole plane full of pesticide dumped on him in order for a suit to get dirty. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one thing he definitely shares in common with Bond here. Except that... It's, it's, it's like he's Superman and he's got that like quarter-inch like force field that keeps him clean. <laughs> I don't know if it's the lighting or what it is, but his, his actual clothing seems to be better than James Bond. James Bond seems to... And, and I'm totally guessing here. I'm just going from memory. James Bond seems to wear just your standard tuxedos, wool, cheap cheap white shirt. This guy actually seems to be wearing quality clothing. Yeah. You can see that it's 600 count linen shirts because of the way that it, it acts in the light and, you know. It's brilliant. It isn't just a cheap tuck shirt that you rent from the from the local flower shop. Yeah. To get through prom night with. Well, and so that brings up something we kind of talked about last minute. This guy is always dressed impeccably. He's clearly... I don't know what he's supposed to be in the film. I mean, I, you and I have had this conversation off off air where, like, everyone in movies is 50, but they're supposed to be 30. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, I mean, there's been instances, like, in, in shows like... 9 and 2 on No. <laughs> going, going back earlier. Because it became less and less... Yes, Luke Perry. But, yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, back further. Back Twilight Zone time where, you know, Rod Serling would go, you know, John... John Connor, a young man. And then they'd show this 50-year-old guy yeah. who's clearly got Grecian... Grecian formula in his hair. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's got like male pattern baldness starting to go on, blah, blah, blah. And you see this, and it's like, okay, he's not 30. <laughs> and especially in the 50s, when you, were, when you were 50 years old, you were a young man. You were an old man that everyone thought was old. And you were probably going to die in the next few years because the health care wasn't as good, right? Right. Carla! Come here, come here, come here! All right, because we've had this conversation too. Hey, everybody, it's Carla! So, my, my lunch is getting cold. <laughs> Old people playing young people in movies. Playing, okay. Right, so, so growing up, it's like I always thought people were much older looking when they were 30 because of, because of the movies I watched. Okay. I always thought 30-year-olds were old people. Yeah, Gre- because in the movies, I got the impression they were old from fifty-year-olds playing thirty-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, Greece—they look totally natural when you grow up that way. <laughs> well, maybe not totally natural, but you buy it. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting the irritated look. You can—you're well, you're free to go. I think they look older, like even just normal people. When you look back at old photographs, like high school graduation pictures, you know, they—they they just looked older. Oh, so maybe it isn't just my impression. Maybe it's. I think styles. Just better skin care? No, styles and stuff, you know, very conservative, so people look older. Yeah. More mature? More mature? mature. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Enjoy your lunch. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) That was Carla, everybody. Our first guest. (laughs) (laughs) So because of the cut, he takes the handkerchief out of his pocket. Wait a minute. It is a monogram handkerchief. Yep. He's just been in the hospital in a town that he totally doesn't live in. Yeah. Are these his own clothes that he got cleaned? Let's do the clothing check. He got kidnapped. Yeah. They gave him a bunch of, uh, a bourbon. lot of brandy. Bourbon. Bourbon, that's right. Yeah. A bottle of bourbon down the gullet. They uh, tried to set him up to make it look like he was in a drunk driving accident and died. Yeah. 
He gets away. Where does he go next? He does all those crazy U-turns in the taxi, which you and I haven't talked about. Right. Oh, no, we did kind of when we were watching him. Where's the next place he goes? next place he goes is to the hotel where it's supposed to, where he's supposed to be, right? Yeah, where Kaplan is supposed to be. Kaplan was supposed to be. He's wearing his own clothes. He gets on the train. He's still wearing those clothes. God, are these his, his original clothes? Hmm. He gets off the train. He jumps the conductor, dude, so he would be wearing the uh, the monkey suit. Yep. He gets out of there. They go to another hotel where Kaplan's supposed to be because yeah. they're chasing him down. Yeah. And he's not there, and he gets those clothes clean, takes a shower. Then they have more of his adventures. Oh, no, that's right. He goes out. He gets on the bus. He goes up to the middle of nowhere. He gets chased by a train, by a plane for some reason. Yeah. Gets stuff all over him. Goes back. Then he has his clothes clean. Then he goes to the auction. These are still his same clothes. Yeah. Imagine being the uh, the porter, <laughs> being handed a set of clothes that's all got full of pesticide. <laughs> right. That guy's going home with cancer. And if Roger wasn't so old, he'd probably develop cancer and die of it. Yeah. Hey, Google. When was Cary Grant born? So he was... 55. 55 when he made this. Hey, Google. When did Cary Grant die? He lived a solid 27 years after this. Yep. Which means that he was 75, 82. Okay. Yep, 82. Wow. That's crazy because I think of him as an old man in this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. But now he's only he's only five years older than me-ish. <laughs> Do I look this old? <laughs> his hands. You can see age in his hands, but... Well, and that's the light, too. Again, perfect light. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, everybody, go to second... 28 on uh, minute 123 here. I don't know if that's annoying to do or not, but we're a we're an audio medium talking about a visual thing. We determined earlier that that O doesn't stand for anything. He just wanted to say rock. <laughs> so he looks at this. That gives him the idea. That's right. I've got a matchbook with the monogram. Right through all of this, a tiny pen has survived. Minute 37. He pulls a second 37. He pulls out a a tiny pen. Yeah. A tiny pen. <laughs> Now, I remember these things. Growing up, I had these little pens. We had them around the house. Uh, my dad was a salesman, and he always had these, like, you know, things to give people. Yeah. So we had we had a bunch of these tiny little pens around. Yeah, and that brings up a, a thing I've always noticed in films. People always have a pen when they need it. Always. Always. It's just there. When I need a pen, I've got to go dig under the couch, <laughs> take everything out of the junk drawer. Yeah, all the widgets. Get upside down in my car underneath the seats. <laughs> With my with my cell phone light, yeah. reaching my hand down between things, getting God knows what all over him. <laughs> in defense, though, he is a Madison Avenue ad guy, so he would probably have a pen on him in case he got him, came up with an idea. Like, well, then why wouldn't he have cards? Cards. Oh yeah, like little three by fives. You know, I'll say this though: if he would have had a card rather than a matchbook, he wouldn't have been able to throw it the way that he does. No. You know, it would have like floated and flipped around and, and it landed who knows where. Would have fluttered, too. Right. There would have been some fluttering. There would have been floating and fluttering. Would have been the two Fs of death <laughs> as he tried to deliver this to Eve. And, yeah, imagine Leonard be like, a three-by-five card came out of the sky. What is this? <laughs> is that waltz time? <laughs> no, that uh, waltz time is... It's almost waltz time. <laughs> Waltzing into danger... So the Lehman script, and is Lehman the name of the writer as far as you know? Yes. So we probably have like a pretty good, this is probably the script. Yeah. So according to the Lehman script, they filmed exactly what was written. I mean, there's almost word for word. There's no, there's no differences. There are, there are little differences throughout the script, but this is exactly the same. Except for the part where 
in the script, the reason he gets desperate to write her a note and everything, rather than just waiting for a, a, his chance, is he hears the airplane circling. Yeah. Do they mention that in the next minute, 125? So I guess we'll just find that out when we uh, tomorrow when we reconvene here. Yes. When I let you back out of the dungeon to come up and talk to me about movies. So again, we have we have the subtle filmmaking going on. It's Leonard asking earlier, "Is she going with you?" And him saying, "Yes." You know. Of course. Of course. It's a problem best disposed of over a great height. Over water. Over water. That's right. I'm not the I'm not the quoter. So we know that there's going to be a plane involved before it's told that we're in a plane. I, I feel like if this movie were made today. Leonard would go, what are we going to do next? And Philip would go, well, <laughs> pretty soon a plane is going to land and we're going to get on it. And we're going to take the microfilm that's hidden inside the statue. And we're going to take that microfilm to South America with us where we're going to meet up with East German agents who are going to take that microphone back to Russia where they're going to, where they're going to use that microfilm to find out where our missiles are kept so that they can bomb them. <laughs> right? That'd be if this movie was made today. Yeah. <laughs> I like just uh, I like how it just proceeds. Although I will say a little bit more exposition, so I would know, just so I would know without having to watch it five times and then talk about it minute by minute to know exactly who they are agents of. Maybe I'm just stupid. Maybe someone someone in minute like seventeen is like they're East German agents. <laughs> they're they're Lithuanian uh, separatists. Does it hurt or help the story if they're Lithuanian? Mm. <laughs> No, 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 wait a minute. What was Lithuanian's involvement in the Cold War? Hold on! Hey, Google. What was Lithuanian's involvement in the Cold War? was occupied sold of the Molotov pack in Nazis! Wow. And to think I almost said Luxembourg. Wow. You would have gotten into some trouble, too, in this house. Because we are Luxembourgian. What have been an egregious faux pas. The new Soviet puppet government obediently set about applying the will of Moscow. Jason, I think you're onto something here. I think these are Lithuanian spies. That would explain so much. The Nazi connection that I'm feeling. The uh, Van Damme's silky accent. Leonard's obvious Lithuanian tendency. You can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. You can also find us at The Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Don't forget that there are over 100 other Movies by Minute podcasts available at MoviesByMinutes.com. Please join us here next time on the Hitchcock Minute. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are.